This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome all our Torah Anytime listeners, subscribers, peoples out there. Um, tonight we are learning Le'iluni Shmat, Avraham ben Chaim Yehuda, and Yechezkel ben Avraham, and also my uncle who was, who was just nifted, just passed away, uh, Meir ben Ramordechai Tzvi. Okay, so let us, let us, let us, let us get a rock and rolling over here. Um, these type of topics, uh, the class, these types of classes, I I feel it's so important because it's something that we're dealing with always, our thoughts. Our thoughts are constantly something that we are, um, being sort of, I don't want to say the word stuck, but we kind of are. We kind of are like, like stuck in our own, in our own thought process. We are uh, constantly, you know, thinking, daydreaming, pondering. You know, our minds are constantly going. Sometimes we have good thoughts. Sometimes we have bad thoughts. Uh, let's try to say this nicely. Some genders, I guess, have thoughts that could later result in fights with their spouses without their spouses even knowing that they were in a fight. Like, they start the process in their head, and in their head, they're, like, thinking of what the other person is going to respond. So they have a whole conversation in their head. And and, and people are constantly in their head. Have you ever seen somebody in the street walking down, and then suddenly they do something like this? And then they do something like... And they sort of, like, nod themselves and be like, what's going on? And we all know what's going on. They're they're having conversations in their head. Completely normal. I'm not saying that are voices that are going on and you're, like, crazy and you should seek medical help. No, no, no. Completely normal stuff. But, like, you know, we're, we're in our own, we're in our own heads. Some spouses even get upset on the other spouse on a dream that they had. They had a dream. I'd be like, I can't believe you did that to me. The husband wakes up. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say the husband. The spouse wakes up, and the spouse is like, uh, "Why are you upset?" I'd be like, "You know why I'm upset." I'm like, "I really don't." Oh, you know, yeah. In the dream, you said to me this. How dare you? Do you? How could you do such a thing? So we're always in our in our own thought process. We're always in our mindset. The questions that begs us to ask is, is what results from, from these thought process? Do they mean anything? Do they result in any positive or negative effects? And, you know, just, just from speaking, and I'm really speaking of the really obviously the focus today is on the spiritual aspect on, on things. But when you look at the physical aspect of things, it's undeniable the fact that these, uh, Thoughts, whichever you may go, does have an effect on your life. If you, even if you, uh, you know, if you have a positive thought about someone, you look at them differently. You treat them differently. You deal with them differently. And even from the, from the medical standpoint, from the, uh, from the psychological standpoint, if somebody has the, the Positive thinking, they have, uh, they have an increase of a lifespan. They also have an increase of depression. They have a lower level of distress. They have a greater resistance to common cold. Can you believe that? By having positive thoughts, you're increasing your physical well-being, that your resistance to common cold, your body has a stronger immune response that you're able to fight it. 
And science also came out that the, that if somebody has a um, somebody has a, a a positive you know way of thinking, their cardiovascular health, their their they they reduce the risk of cardiovascular diseases and death from cardiovascular diseases. There's so many things that come from the benefit of having positive thoughts. So we know that from the physical standpoint. But the question that we that begs us to ask is. What about from the spiritual standpoint? What about from where we're holding in the spiritual realm? Does our thoughts have any, any, any power? And can it result in any materialization of what our, what, what we think about? Now we know the Chavot Vavavot brings down numerous psukim to, uh, you know, on this concept of emunah, that the, for example, Pasuk in Tehillim, chapter 32, verse 10, it says, Somebody who has trust of Hashem, kindness surrounds him. And it says in Yermiyahu, in Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in Hashem. And of course, it says in two second before that, chapter 17, verse 5, in Jeremiah, in Yermiyahu, Cursed is the person that, that, that has, um, that has trust in man. We see over here when we're dealing with trust, so trust, a, a big part of trust is your thought process, is what you're thinking. Your thoughts play a very, very important role. The Gemara in Makot tells us something very, very fascinating. Something that you wouldn't ordinarily come into your logical conclusion. Uh, well, you could depending on your, on your, uh, and your thoughts. Um, and yes, Sapir, thank you for thank you for uh, bringing that up. I completely forgot. It's been so long. I forgot all the rules for this. Uh, um, it's all the rules for this. Uh, uh, you know the Zoom. So thank you for that. Uh, whoever doesn't know what I'm talking about, whatever, just ignore what I just said. The Gemara Makot goes and says. By the way, did it work? Okay, I'm assuming that it did work. Okay, so now the. Gemara Makot, page 10b, goes and says like this. It says, In the way a person wishes to go, That way is the way that a person is led. Meaning the translation, the simple translation of what the Gemara says, in the way that a person go, or wishes to go, that is the way that he is led. Which just seems like a very, very, you know, standard statement. But the question is, wait, wait, when you start breaking it down, in the way that a person wishes to go, that is the way that he is led. Who's leading him? Who is the one that's leading him? So let's say somebody goes and, desa- and, and, and desires and wants to go in a certain path in life. Let's say it's wealth. Let's say it's spiritual growth. The Gemara says, the way that you desire, the way that you strive for, that is what you are going to be led to. Led doesn't mean that you are going. Led means that you're being taken. The question is, who? Who is leading you? Says the Maharsha. The Maharsha goes and explains this Gemara Makot. And he goes, you want to know who leads this person? The angels lead this person. So the question is, which angels? Which angels are we talking about that are leading this person? And the answer says the Masha, the angels that this person created with his thoughts or her thoughts. Meaning that thoughts create angels. Now we all know, or we all should know, that any action that we do, any uh, mitzvah or sin that we do, we create an angel. The chidush over here is that even a thought, even a thought goes and creates an angel. That's what the Pasuk in Tehillim, chapter 91, verse 11. It says, That he will command his angels on your behalf to guard you on all your ways. 
meaning that you create angels. We have the power to create angels. Now with the deeds, with our actions that we know, but even with our thoughts. And we think of that, that for a second. How many thoughts go through our head in one minute? How many thoughts go through our head in an hour, in a day? Every single thought creates an angel. So if you have a thought of emunah and bitachon, if you have a, th- a positive thought, then you create holy angels. And with that, for example, let's say you go and you anticipate. You're mitzapim leishua. You go and you anticipate the salvation. You anticipate God's salvation. That's a positive thought. You have the emunah. That's a, that's, that's a mitzvah. Now you're going and you're creating a positive angel. But what happens if you have thoughts of hopelessness, of anger, of frustration? These are also created by angels, which is a crazy thing. Just, just to think about that, ponder about that for a, for a minute. Just think about, even, even if we take a step back, when you go and when you think about the fact that when you do something positive or negative, you create an angel, you'll think twice before doing it. You'll, you'll really think, like the next time that you want to get angry and you realize, you'll be like, wait a minute, by me getting angry, I'm creating a bad angel, you'll think twice about it. But the next time you go and you decide you're going to come to Shio Torah, a thought, you just think <laughs> about doing something good, over here you're already creating a positive angel. Meaning that there, we have no idea if we would be able to see what's in front of us, what's all that's created in front of us, our, our, we'll probably go insane, which is probably one of the reasons why we can't see what's going in front of us. All the spiritual angels that are going, the positive and the negative, all the bad and the good that's going on in front of us. But we have so much that we're being, that, we, that we're creating over here. Now that Rabbi Victor Miller goes and takes this a step further. It says that when you take this Gemara, the Gemara Makot, that says, and the way that a person wants to go, those words, that means that's your hishtadlut. That's your own efforts. Meaning that you have to choose what you want in your life. You have to, even if it's just in the realm of your own mind, this is something that you have the choice. The second part of that saying is the realm of execution. The realm of executing what your thought process is. Molechino saw that that is the way that they're going to lead you. Meaning that, that's no longer fully up to you. You know what's up to you? Your thought process. What you decide, what you desire, what you strive for, that's all on you. But afterwards, if you'll succeed, if you'll not, and how you'll get there, that's That's something that they will lead you. The angels are going to lead you. The Rabbi Victor Miller goes on and says, you know, something very, very fascinating when, when you think about it. And, and it's a really scary thought. How many of the from religious people have the desire to be a successful Jew? Now many people go and they're very, very from, they're very religious, they follow all the halachot, everything that they need to. They have good midot, they have good character traits, they are, lo- they have great kibbutz aim, they're loyal to their parents, they listen to their rabbis, they go to the yeshivot, they learn the Torah, they dress modestly, they do everything right, and they do this until the end of the days. But they're missing one aspect of that. And that is, they're doing it without having the strong desire the strong need to do that. They do that because that's how they were born. Or that's what they got used to. Or, or, you know, that's the way that they were led to in life without actually going and having that desire. That's why, says Rabbi Victor Miller, says that's why we prize Bali Chuba. 
also converts in the same boat. That's why we prize them, the people that come from a non-observant, secular background. Where they are in the religious standing, that's not because they were born that way. That's not because they were used to that. That's because they decided by their own. They chose this path. They had a, something that's called desire of the spirituality. So wherever they're holding, they desire that. So that is the concept. And the way that a person wants to go, you have to have that desire. And if you desire, if you have the ratzon, if you have that will, if you have that desire, then you will get that. But, says Rabbi Victor Miller, the way that Rabbi Victor Miller goes and explains this, the desire, the ratzon, the will, it's, it's a ratio, it's proportional. The more that somebody wants to do something, the more that Molochinos are, the more that they will lead him, the angels will lead him. Meaning that if he or she desires a little bit, he will be helped by the angels a little bit. If they have a burning desire, they have a burning desire to go and become a great person, then they will be helped a lot. That's why, says Rabbi Victor Miller, it's so important that when you're learning, you spend time, you spend time and you learn and you focus a lot on Hashkafa. On Torah outlook. That's not saying that it should come at the expense of Alakha or on the Gemara or whatever it is that you're learning on, but you have to focus on learning Musa, learning Hashkafa, learning Chavot Alavot, learning Misirat Yisharim. All these things, what are these things so important? Besides the fact that they set you on the right path in life, they create in your mind a desire. They create in your mind a will, a need, a push to go through towards one direction. And when you go and when you think about these things, and, and I'll give you just an example. I don't know how many of you do this or or don't do this. It, you know, the, the aspect of learning something every single day is very, very important. But what makes something more powerful is to learn something before you actually do what you're about to do. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're about to pray. So if you want to make your prayer more powerful or, or, or be more connected to that, if you spent a few minutes learning about it, you'll you'll gain that inspiration to push yourself, to drive yourself forward. Uh, a, a great example is there's uh, there, there's there's books out there that is one page, sort of a five minute of of like uh, of of learning on on prayer, like a, a lesson a day type of uh, a situation. When you go before you pray, you learn a lesson a day. Your prayer is completely different. It's completely different. You want to know why? Because all of a sudden you're learning about it and now you're creating a need for it. You're creating a desire and now you want to do, you want to go and you want to do something. You want to have a successful relationship. You want to go and be a successful boss or employee or whatever it is that you want to do in your life. You're, you have a thousand times more of a chance of success when you stop for a few seconds and think, you know what? I want to do this. I want to be able to focus. I want to be able to go and be a good husband. I want to go and be a good wife. I want to be a good daughter. I want to be a good son. I want to go and I want to grow. When you have that want, when you have that desire, you're the, everything that you do are gonna, is going to be so much stronger. Now the question is why? And the answer is, the secret Kabbalistic answer behind it is, is because once you have that desire, once you have that want, says the Gemara you will be led. You just created angels. You have fresh angels that you just created. And these angels are going to go and they're going to lead you. You want to have a good prayer? Think beforehand, I want to have a good prayer. You just created an angel and now the angel is going to go and help you have an amazing tefillah, amazing prayer. The power of thoughts are so powerful, are so powerful. You want to go and you want to become great in Torah. You want to become great, have a great level of emunah. You want to have a great tefillah, a great uh, power of prayer. 
You have to have something that's called ambition. You have to have that desire, that need. And when you do that, then you are you get like I don't know, pummeled, you know, straight through with so much more extra power. And this, by the way, says Rabbi Victor Miller, this is not only on the spiritual aspect, it's also on material, physical things. It's also on material things. That, and I, send in your questions whenever you get it, I'm going to answer the, all the questions at the end. Even on material things, meaning that you, you look at people, you have some somebody who has a very, what appears to be, a very easy, easy time in life. They have health, they have good family, they have good money, they sent to good yeshivot, everything is good. Yet, their happiness is very, very low. You're able to see based on their you know, reactions, based on their interactions, based on their you know, uh, um, you know, emotions, uh, there's something missing over there. Yet at the same time, you see somebody else who lacks everything. They lack family, they lack health, they lack money, they lack everything, but yet... They have one deciding factor in their mind. They decide, I am going to be happy. I am not going to let this boggle me down. You know those type of people? Those type of people are the happy people. The, what appears to be the successful people, they're miserable, they're, 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 they're down in the dumps. What changed the desire? That even if you have the desire, even though you don't have all the tools to get you what you want, you have the power to reach what you want. And another example is health. The Rambam in Ilchot Eot goes and gives advice on how to live properly. If anybody is into health, I strongly recommend to learn this, this Rambam. He goes and he makes a, a remarkable, remarkable statement. He goes and he, he sets a whole list of rules on how to be healthy. And how, when he's supposed to eat, and how he's supposed to lie down, and when he's supposed to go to sleep, and how he's supposed to exercise before. A bunch of different rules on how to, to live a healthy life. So might be a good idea to do a class on this one time. But in any case, he makes at the end of it a very, very remarkable statement. And that is, the Rambam goes and finishes off and says that anybody who follows these rules, the Rambam goes, I am a guarantee, I guarantee, this is Maimonides, the Rambam. He says, I'm guaranteed that he's not going to become ill, sick, his whole life. Until he's near the end of days, unless he was born with some sort of faulty physique, or there's some sort of catastrophe that happens, meaning that there's something out of the control of the normal, obviously, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do anything, and could cause anybody problems, but in the normal normal cases, the Rambam is telling us that if somebody gets sick to a certain degree, to certain things, majority, it's, it's his fault. If they would have lived their life in a healthy, you know, lifestyle, they would have done everything appropriately, they would have done the proper, appropriate, you know, exercise, they would have slept on time, they would drink a lot of water, not to overeat, depending on what you eat, all the things that the Rambam goes and says, this will make you healthy until the end of days, the Rambam goes, until the end of days, until, till, till, mamash, the end of your life. That's a, that's a promise that the Rambam brings. Meaning, says Rabbi Victor Miller, what do we see over here? That if somebody wants to be healthy, it's on you. You can decide if you're healthy. If you want to be rich, in most cases, if you have the desire, you have that work ethic, you will be able to succeed. The Pasukim Mishlei. Chapter 10, verse 4, it says, V'yad chotzim ta'ashir. It means that people, those that are diligent, are going to become rich. If you put in the work, you're diligent and you're devoted into your business, you will succeed. If someone's always taking off, always taking vacations, always doing that, they will not succeed. It's, you know, it's, it's like the concept that someone says, I want to be a righteous person. I want to be a big Talmud Chacham. I want to know all, all the Gemara. I want to learn the entire Shas. But he never once opens up the Sefer. He never once opens up a Gemara. 
How is he ever going to be a Talmud Chacham? How is he? You have to at least try. Obviously, we know everything is Menashe Mayim, the way that your thought is, the business decisions that you're going to make. We know everything is from God. But you have to make that, that, that desire, that want, that, that, that leads to the trying. And this leads also, the Gemara and Makot, we're still on that, we're still on, uh, on this concept, that the way that you desire, that's the way that you're going to be led to. That even if you desire to lead into a sin, if you want to go and you want to do a sin, even that, you have a desire, even that, you will get help from Hashem. God will help you do the sin, sort of will guide you towards that way. Where do we learn this from? Says Rabbi Victor Miller, we learned this from Bilam. Bilam lived during the time when there was a monarch by the name of Balak. And Balak was promising all kinds of rewards if what? If Bilam would go and curse, curse the Jewish people. But Bilam goes and asks God and asks the Kadosh Baruch Hu, says, Am I allowed to go and curse? Am I allowed to go with, for, you know, with Balak? And God says, Don't go. But Bilam wanted to go. He wanted to go. Even when he refused, he hinted of what he really wanted in his heart. The people that came, the messengers that came to him, he said, you know, can you come with us to Balak to go and curse the Jews? He goes and he says, even if you give me a house full of gold and silver, I will not go. Meaning that that's what he wanted. So if you go to a certain, uh, I don't know, business uh, meeting, and the, you want to get the business, you want to get business from this particular person. And this particular person says, I'm not giving you the business. Even if you give me 10 iPads, I'm not going to send you the business. What is he selling you? He's telling you that he wants 10 iPads. And that's what he's sending to you, that that's what he wants. And if you give it to him, maybe he'll send you the business. So Bilam is saying, I'm not going, even if you give me a house, meaning even if you pay me a lot of money, then I'm not going to go. Meaning that he wanted a lot of money. We see over here that he had desire. He wanted to so badly, he wanted to curse the Jewish people, he wanted to go a, a, against the Jewish people. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes and says, oh, you have the desire, you know, let's say you want to go? Then what did God say, you know, in the following psukim? Kum lechitam, go with them, go with them. Because a person wants to do something bad, even if God says initially, no, you shouldn't be doing this, don't go doing this. But eventually if you persist, if you have the desire, God says, fine, if that's what you want, you have free will, go. You have the ability to go, meaning that if you have the desire... To do something wrong, the doors will open up for you that you could do those sins. Not to say that, oh, if God let me do this sin, must be that God wanted me to do this sin. Absolutely not. Just because that God gave you the opportunity to do this sin, that doesn't mean that He wanted you to do this sin. But if you had the desire to do this sin, then that opens doors for you. That opens doors. The Baal Shem Tov goes on and says, how powerful your thoughts are that if someone is preoccupied with worries they end up being punished with midat hadid the 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 midah the character of judgment from god if however this person is certain in his mind that god will do kindness with him that god will do chesed with him he is attaching himself to the midat chesed and he draws upon himself that's what the pasuk in Tehilim in chapter 109 verse 17 goes and says and he loved the curse, and it came upon him. And the pasuk goes and finishes. And he did not desire a blessing. And it distanced itself from him. Now the question that we have to ask is, which human being loves a curse? It says, He loved the curse. Who loves a curse? Nobody loves a curse. A person doesn't actually long for tragedies. But he might allow himself to daydream about them. 
He may allow himself to think about them, or she to think about it, and they don't make any effort to go and to get rid of them. And if they do that, these habitual thoughts, they cause, says the, 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 the Baal Shem Tov, they cause the fears to materialize. And this is a very, very big problem. Sometimes you have people that are constantly down, depressed, sad, and they're thinking bad thoughts. And with those people that are thinking bad thoughts, they, they could bring the bad upon themselves. You know, there are some people that are so, so cautious in life, and they always think of the negative. Yes, it's good to be cautious. Yes, it's good to go and be, realize where you should trust, where you should not trust. Where you should hold yourself back, where you shouldn't hold yourself back. But you have to take it to a certain level. Because if you're constantly thinking bad thoughts, you could bring the bad upon yourself. Now the question that we have to ask is that, wait a minute, thoughts pop into my head all the time. How could I be in control of my thoughts? I'm constantly having a thousand thoughts come into, uh, come into my head. If you're a female, you're having 10 billion thoughts at one shot into your head. The truth is, if you're a man, you're having like one thought and that sort of daydreams into like 7,000 other thoughts. But, uh, you know, people are constantly having like bombarded with thoughts. Are we in control of the thoughts? How can we go? And if you're telling me right now that the thoughts have a power that it could result in the reality you could bring back. If you think bad things, they could actually bring the bad upon you. But that's not fear. I don't have control over my thoughts. So the answer is there's two different types of thoughts. There's something called the machshavos. There's something called the fleeting thoughts. And there's something called hirurim. So you have machshavos and you have hirurim. Machshavos are fleeting thoughts. In the Gemara and Kedushin, page 48 goes... Machshava tova mitzarefes lemaisa. Somebody has a good intention, Hashem adds it to the reward and as if he fulfills a mitzvah. You have a thought to do a mitzvah, you get reward for that. But if a person intends, like has a machshava of, com- of committing some sort of avera, transgression, but yet refrains, key word here, from committing that sin, he's not punished for that, for that sin. That's a machshava. So machshava is sort of a fleeting thought. If you have a fleeting thought for the positive, you get rewarded. For the negative, you don't have to worry about it. Again, depending on, on certain criteria, we're not going to go into all the details of the machshavos. But then there's something called hirurim. Hirurim is something else. It's not a fleeting thought. It's a thought that you dwell upon. You picture it taking place. The Gemara in Yuma, page 29a, goes and says the hirurim, the, the dwelling, the thinking and the dwelling upon the sin is kashim avera. It's worse, it's more severe, it's harder than the sin itself. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details on what the Gemara says, the Rabbeinu Bechai goes and it gives a, a beautiful, you know, examples on like why is thinking of the thought worse than actually doing the, the, you know, think, meaning thinking of a sin, why is that worse of actually doing the sin? We're not going to get into the, all that detail, but we see over here that if you go and if you dwell on the sin, meaning that you that you sort of like ponder upon that and you and you recycle that in your head, that's where it's a problem. Meaning so that let's try to make this very clear. If you have a fleeting thought in your head and you push it out right away, nothing to worry about it. You don't have to worry about all the angels taking place, you know, that, that are negative angels created from it. But if you have a thought and you a bad thought and you start dwelling upon it, that's where you have to start worrying about it. And Rabbeinu Yona goes and says that because of this, well, this and many other things, in times of tragedy, in times of, of, of dire need, a person should never give up hope. You should never go and say, you know what, there's no hope over here. Because we have to know that always Yeshuat Hashem Kelevayin, that we have a positive thought and we dwell upon that, that gives us a positive, 
you know, angels that go and fight for us. We know that David Amalekh and Eov were both very, very successful people. Eov, for example, was the wealthiest man. He was very wealthy. He was blessed with a beautiful family. He had seven sons. He had three daughters. Each week, his sons would take turns hosting a huge feast for all the siblings in their homes. And at the end of these feasts, Eov would bring many kobanot, as many as he had sons and daughters. Now the question is, why did Eov do this? Because he always feared that something bad would happen. He always had that fear that, oh, maybe something bad is going to happen. And we see, very unfortunate, that Eov's fears came true. Eov had a fear that his, he would lose his livestock, he would lose his servants, and that's what happened. He lost the livestock, he lost his servants. He feared for his death for his children, his children all died. Even he himself was afflicted with painful boils all over his body. And in, in, in Yov, it says, chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Ki pachad, pachadati. It says, for the thing that I have feared, and this befell me. What I dreaded came upon him, meaning what I feared, Rashi goes and explains, that Eov was always going and he was always concerned for the misfortune that would befall upon him. He was so afraid that what happened was is that Eov, Job, eventually actually brought the misfortune upon himself. The Maral goes and says on this pasuk something very, very scary. When somebody is afraid of poverty, he's giving the angel of poverty the strength to work on him. Look at the power of our thoughts. When we think negative, when you say always, always think positive. When we think negative thoughts, we are opening our, the, you know, our, our mazal sort of into these, these negative angels. Now I'm not saying, you know, go into like a blind hide, you know, like trust everybody, be very positive and everything. I'm not saying, you know, obviously we have to take our, our, our cautions and we have to take precautions on things that we need to. But we have to make sure that we don't focus on negative thoughts because those negative thoughts have tremendous amount of power. Tremend- Look at Eov. Eov had tremendous, tremendous amount of fears and thoughts and that ended up happening. David HaMelech also had great suffering in his life. But yet he always remained positive. He was running away from his rebellious son. He was sleeping on the ground. Yet at the same time he was able to sing praises to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was always be able to remain positive. Look at the difference of what a thought process can do. The Maggid of Mizrich goes and says that when a person thinks negative thoughts, then, God forbid, the thing that he fears upon can come upon him. If he thinks about judgment, he will cling to judgment. If he thinks about kindness, he will be cling to kindness. And furthermore, when somebody goes and somebody has this, this thought process that they're dwelling on the depressing, you know, sad, you know, down thinking thoughts that the worst will come, this is also a lack of emunah. This is a lack of bitachon. This is a lack of what we're supposed to do. We're always supposed to think on the positive. We always have to have that faith that God could take us out of anything. This is so important because we have, sometimes you go and, and, you're in a situation that you're just stuck and you don't know how you're going to get out. Just by having a positive thought process, thinking that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do anything, that will give you the power. We spoke about, right at the beginning of the Emunah series, we spoke about the power of Einod Milvado. There is nothing else other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
Where does this power come from? We're con- when we go, the, the skula, the nefesh ha'chaim, where Chaim Elijah brings down, that it can get you out of anything. When you think, ain't old milvado, there's nothing else other than God. Always. You take that, take every single day, you just think, ain't old milvado, there's nothing else other than God. Where's, where's that power stem from? So there's many different sources of where that power stem from, but one of them is, you're, having, you're creating angels. The power of your thought, you're creating angels. You go and you're thinking Torah. You're thinking positive things. You're creating positive angels. You want your children to have a good upbringing. You have positive thoughts. That's creating the positive angels. There's, our, our thoughts are so powerful. Now, I don't want to go on to dealing on how to control your thoughts. That is something that we spoke about two years ago. We spoke, we, we, gave, a, um, we gave a series on the 13 Principles of Faith, Emunah. And there we spoke on, um, I believe it was the 8th class. It was called the Foundations of Faith series. I strongly recommend, uh, you know, to, to listen to it, to learn it. This uh, is something we spoke about, how to control your thoughts. I don't want to go into details on like how to go and control your thoughts, changing it from positive, changing it to negative. We spoke a little bit about that over there. But I want to focus on one aspect. And that is that some people go and say, listen, I have thoughts constantly coming through my head. And depending on what type of person you are, if you're a type of person that overthinks things a lot, forget about it. Times that by, by 10 million. You, you know, your thoughts are constantly bombarded. But the question is, how do I deal with it? How do I get rid of it? How do I focus on it? How do I make that into the positive? So I'll tell you a very, very simple method that you could try at home and it's easy and it's doable and it's, you know, it doesn't take that much effort. When you're having a thought, you can't think... Or you can't, let me, let me rephrase that. You can't fully focus on two things at the same time. Meaning that you can have a thousand thoughts, but, but when you're focusing on something, you, you can focus really on one thing. Most people. So when you're having a bad thought, try to substitute that thought to a positive thought. Now, it's going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, it's something that's just very easily done. But the more that you focus on it, the more, easy, the more easier it will become. That if you have a bad thought coming to your mind, quickly transition that into some sort of positive twist. And when you have a positive twist, when you're thinking of the positive, you can't think simultaneously of the negative as well. You're going to be bouncing maybe back and forth like a ping pong table in the beginning, but eventually when more that you focus on, the more that you're able to focus on the positive. So yes, you'll have a bunch of negative thoughts that pop into your mind, but if you're able to transition that into the, into the positive, you're able to go and work on the, the, the good angels that you can create. Now we see that the Torah tells us that for 40 years, the man was rained down from Shemaim, from heaven, every single day. And the Torah tells us that this was a test. That people would go to bed every single night, not having any food. They wouldn't be able to save anything over. Meaning that they have nothing to survive for the next day. And they had only to rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bring them on the next day. And this was their test. And the question that is very, very commonly asked, be like, okay, I understand that that's a test the first night. I understand that's a test the second night. I even understand that's a test for the first year. But after 20 years of every single day, food raised down from heaven, what's the test? What's the challenge? What's the challenge? They see that it's going to fall down from heaven. So what's the challenge? The answer is, well, there's not really an answer. It's really sort of a transition, a moving of the, uh, you know, of the question. We ask the same questions. We go and we tell God what is going to happen in the future. 
I don't have enough savings. How am I going to go and marry off my children? How am I going to get married? I don't know. There's a thousand things that people have in their mind running. But the question that you have to ask yourself, but why are you asking these questions? Didn't God take care of you until today? Didn't God take care of everything that you needed until this day? And if the answer is yes, then why are you worried about? Just like you go and you be like, I don't understand why the people in the desert have this test that if after 20 years, God sent them down man every single day, then why are they having the test of, of emunah and bitachon and like what's going to be tomorrow? God's been taking care of them for 20 years nonstop. But we could say the same thing. God has been taking care of us for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. God has been taking care of us. So what are we worried about? Why are we so scared? God has been with us the whole time. If God has been with us the whole time, so then the question we have to ask is the question on ourselves. Yes, the question on the man, okay, it's a different level. They had food literally rained down from the heaven. But if we open our eyes and we see the miracles of what God does for us on a day-to-day basis and how awesome God is and how awesome everything that He does for us, it's so obvious that God loves us. It's so obvious that God cares for us. And even though we may have difficulties in our lives, but when we open our eyes, we're able to see the beauty. We're able to see that hand of God, the hashgacha patit that God has. We, we just see it. And once we see that, then we're able to think positive. I want to tell you a story that was told to me today. You know, I'll tell you what, my sister, my sister from Eretz Israel called me today. And she said, I have to tell you a story. And she said she knows this firsthand. There was, and you know it's funny because when she told me this story, I was like, you know what? I know where I could put this story and, you know, I'm going to write it up and I'm put it later. But for some reason, it popped in my mind now and, I'll, you know, I'll share with this with you. So there was this, um, this girl that came from, you know, no money. Um, came from no money, but it was, was the type of girl that really, you know, desired, you know, to just help people. Like, 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 just like a good person. You know what I'm talking about? Like one of those people would be like, oh yeah, that, that's a good person. And she came from a very, very difficult upbringing. And, she she got engaged and she was going to uh, you know pay for her own wedding so to speak and the husband the the, the khatan side also didn't come from much money and he also had the you know um, sort of a very very simple upbringing and they decided they wanted to go to a very very simple hall take a very very you know modest wedding and. They go and uh, they go to this uh, to, to look at the wedding hall, and the parents of the Khatan, they they're like, what? Well, even though they didn't have any money, they they still wanted their son to get married in a nice wedding hall and a, you know in a more of an upscale thing. And meanwhile, the girl's like, you know, she's paying for this wedding. How is she going to go? And how is she going to you know pay for all this? She she worked as a nurse in Al Israel in the hospital. And in fact, this is not even the wedding. This is even before the wedding. This is a story as it's happening. So uh, she, she's meanwhile, she's starting to sweat. She's like, where are we going to go to something else or something? Great? No, it, it was. And they go, they, they go into a cheap hall. The parents of the Khatan, they're not interested in it. They go and they take the next level up. They go to a more expensive hall. Still not good enough. They go another level. And finally, they go into a high level, like a, an expensive wedding hall. 
And meanwhile, the Kala is like, where are we going to get this? Like, how is this? We're going to pay for this. And the parents of the Khatans would be like, you know, we like this. This is what we want. Meanwhile, they're looking around the wedding hall. And the Kala is walking, you know, is walking around. And she notices there's a, there's a girl over there. And the girl goes over to her. And she, this is someone that works in the hospital. And the girl goes over to her and says, what are, you, uh, what are you doing over here? And she says, you know, I just got engaged and we're looking at this hole. She's, and she says, you're looking at this hole? She says, my father owns this hole. Let me go and speak to my father. This girl who, has got, who just got engaged, she was so nice, such a, a good person to this girl who was the daughter of the, of the owner of this wedding hole. And to the point that she was, she was just a nice person to this, all that she was, she was very, very nice and respectful to this person. This girl goes over to her father and she says, you know, father, I know she owns a, he owns a wedding hall and says, do me a favor. Take care of this girl. She has been so nice to me at work. She's always taking care of me at work. She's always looking out for me at work. Do me a favor. Give her a very, very good deal. The father, which is the owner of the hall, says, fine. He says, you know, I hear what you're saying. He goes over. They decide they like the hall. The father goes and he, and he, and he deducts it must have been like ten or 15,000 shekel from what the hall would normally cost. Meaning that it ended up being cheaper than if they would have taken the cheaper hall. And then what happened? The next day or a few days afterwards, this girl you know, is paying for her own wedding. The next day, she's going and now she has to find a makeup artist to go and set her up. There's another woman who was just going through something in her health that she needed to, you know, she sort she felt like she needed some sort of like, um, extra merit to go through it. And she decided that she wants to go and help Ikala that doesn't have the ability to pay. She wants to go and she wants to give, uh, uh, you know, her services either free of charge or very, very, uh, very, very cheap. And it just so happens that this girl went and met this makeup artist and gave her a crazy, crazy discount. And this girl was mamish seeing things from one side to another side. God was helping her with the wedding hall. God was helping her with the makeup artist. From one point to another point. From where all that she was, she didn't do anything crazy. She didn't go anything about all that she was. She was just a nice person. Maybe she was extra nice. Maybe she went above and beyond. But she started noticing on how God was taking care of her from all angles. And my sister asked her, says, is it okay if I share your story? And um, she, you know, at, at some people might be embarrassed. Might be like, you know what, it shows that, you know, they don't have enough money to support, to go and to get the wedding. And she says, no. She says, tell them. Her name was Batel. She says, tell them. Tell them I want to go and spread God's, you know, glory. Look how Hashem looks out for us. She says, I want people to know about it. Even if it's going to come at my dispense. Look at how Hashem takes care of us. All that she was was nice. And she started seeing that this worked out from this angle. And this worked out from that angle. And we start seeing how everything plugged in together. And how Hashem is out looking for every single one of us. And it happens to each and every single one of us in our daily lives. If we open our eyes, we'll start seeing the beauty and how Hashem oversees the hashkacha pratit that a God oversees it. And if we start seeing that, then it's going to be so easy to start saying, you know what, get rid of the negative thoughts. I say this a thousand times and I say it again. I keep on pushing something that's so important to me. Something that I push very strongly. Always be thankful. Be, have gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Every single day. Don't let a day go by without saying five things that you're thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Always, 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 always thank a God. Why is this so important? So once you start thanking God, you're going to see how God is in your life. And once you see that Hashem is always in your life, then it's so much easier to be positive. 
Because you'd be like, what am I, to- what am I worried about? Hashem has taken care of me my whole life. Hashem has been with me all the way. Yes, I've had some difficult times. Yes, I, had, I wasn't sure if I was going to get married. Yes, I wasn't sure where dating was coming from. Yes, I didn't know where Panasah was coming from. Yes, I was sick. But what happened was, I was survived. There's a roof over my shoulder. I'm getting dates. You know, Baruch Hashem, yes, maybe I'm not fully healthy, but I'm able to survive. When you start looking at the positive, you'll be able to start focusing on the positive. But if all you see is negative, then all you're going to be able to focus is on the negative. And what happens is that if you focus on the positive, you'll create positive angels. If you focus on the negative, you'll create negative angels. How important, how imperative it is that we constantly focus on the positive in our lives. There was a survivor in Auschwitz, in the Holocaust. And he said, you want to know how I was able to survive? He kept on picturing the excitement that he would feel when he would be liberated. He kept on feeling that excitement that he would be when he would be free. The Pasuk in Tehillim, chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Muhulal ekra Hashem. I praise, I praise Hashem, I call upon to Hashem. And from my enemies I will be saved. Rashi goes and explains that even before I get the salvation, I will praise God. That even if a person is in deep in trouble, he should be confident that Hashem will send his salvation and he'll be able to praise him, even if he can't even see the salvation. You have to go and you have to think that a God could go, Yeshua Hashem Kevavan, God could save you from anything. When everything is looking so bad, when everything is looking so bleak, there's a flip of the switch and all of a sudden your whole life turns upside down. You focus on the positive, you have that power to go. You have the power to continue. Rabshin Pinkus goes and says something very, very important. That when you're dealing with emunah, emunah generally has two meanings, right? You have first, you have the belief. You have the thought process that something is true. That everything that God does, for example, is for the best. The second is where you take that thought process and you place your emunah, your trust in Hashem. Now this, you could break it up into three steps. There is the thought, there is the speech, and then there is the action. So let's speak about the thought. Step number one. Though let's say God created you with limitations. These limitations do not limit how Hashem could benefit you, how Hashem could do you good. We, we have to realize that even though we're created with limited natural capabilities, this does not stop Hashem from bestowing upon us greatness, whether it's spiritual, physical, whatever it is, no matter what it is, it doesn't hinder us. God can do everything. God is limitless. Even though God created us with limitations, the ability of God to do is limitless. We have to have that thought process. We have to open our mind, expand our horizon to realize that our limitations are only in our mind. God could open these limitations. God has the ability to do anything. That's the thought process. The second involves the speech. When we pray for something, we pray for something that we feel is in our reach, is in our realm. If we think something is outside in our realm, we don't pray for that. And the truth of the matter is, the halachot tefillah is related to this, for meaning that you're not supposed to pray for something that from our perspective, our reality, is impossible. For example, we don't pray that God should change the past, because the past is the past. The reality is, is that the past happened already, and we, don't, we can't change the past. But yes, of course, God can do everything and anything. God is in the past, present, and the future. But from our perspective... That's not something that can, be, that can be changed. And therefore, we don't pray for that. And this is what the, the Ibn Ezra goes in Shema chapter 20, verse 14. 
goes and explains the mitzvah, or one of the asal that they bought, the tenth of the tzad, you're not supposed to go, you're not supposed to covet. You're not supposed to desire something that does not belong to you. Not, you're, you should not, you know, you know, covet your friend's house, your friend's wife, your spouse, whatever it is. Things that do not belong to you, you should not desire, you should not want. Now, to understand this, if you have, let's say, a very, very sensible, but poor person, villager, let's call him, and he sees this beautiful princess, this person, this villager, this simple, sensible villager does not desire that he will marry this princess because he knows that she's outside of his realm. If she's outside of his realm, there's nothing to discuss. There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing even to desire. The, the, and, and in fact, the Gemara Maot Katan, page 28a, goes and says that children, health, and panasah, sustenance, do not depend on your merit. This is your mazal. Meaning that it's not so much on what, yes, you have the ability to desire, yes, you have the ability to do, yes, you have the ability to focus on grain and pray and, and change it, but at the end of the day, it's what you, was destined for you. So an intelligent person will not desire something that doesn't belong to them. Because they realize that if God didn't give this to them, then it's nowhere in their realm. It's not. It's just like a villager is not going to marry the princess. So too, if this is not your wife or your husband, it's never meant to be. It's not meant to be your wife or your husband. And therefore, you should be happy with your lot. So that Ibn Ezra is going and telling us that when we desire something, it's because we feel it's in our realm. By the way, that's a very powerful statement. Let me repeat that. Ibn Ezra goes and tells us that when we have a desire for something... We feel that's in our realm. People don't desire things that it's outside. You don't desire going and, and you know digging on the moon if that's just like outside of your realm of reality. But deep down, when you think about it, every single one of us want to attain spiritual greatness. We want to have that greatness. So then we have to ask, then how come in our prayers we don't pray for this type of greatness? How come we don't desire how come we don't covet this greatness? You want to know why? It's because we deep down, or not deep down, superficially down, we don't think it's something that's in our realm. We don't think that it's something that we could strive for. We don't think we could be the greatest of our generation. We don't think we could be the Gadol Hadar. We don't think that we could be the best spouse possible. So if we don't desire it, if we don't think about it, there's no reason to even, you know, a thought to even to enter our head. But if a person would believe that God could grant us everything, God could grant us the greatness that we even don't even think about desiring, then all of a sudden we start praying for it. We don't pray for something because we don't think it's in our realm. But if we open our mind, if we make our mind limitless, then we would have that ability to go and pray for anything. That's why when you pray for a husband, don't just pray for any husband. Pray for the best. You pray for children. Don't just pray for any child. Pray for the best. You pray for Panasad. Don't stop with being, you know, wealthy. Be the, a billionaire. Be whatever it is. Pray for the best. Open your mind. Your horizon. God can do anything. That's the second part. The speech. The third part says Rapshinsh and Pinkus is our actions. When we don't believe that we can reach something, we don't even put practical steps into getting that. So, for example, if somebody doesn't think of greatness, doesn't think that they are going to be a gadol whether it's, you know, a male, a female, whatever it is, greatness. So they don't even start, put practical steps into it. But if you start thinking that you're opening your mind, you're opening your horizon, you're opening your prayers, that you could get into greatness, your next step is, okay, now do the actions to it. Open up Igma'ah. Start learning a little bit extra. Start listening to more lectures. Do something. Put the practical effort to attain the greatness that you so much desire in.
the power of our thoughts is beyond our realm of understanding. I want to finish off with one powerful story. There's a story that Rabbi Moshe Tov Yalif goes and, bring, and, and says, Brother, I said that there was once a boy by the name of Shlomo. And he was, unfortunately, he, uh, he was diagnosed by can- with cancer at the age of eight years old. And he, you know, it didn't look that well, you know, for him. But, Baal Hashem, he survived. And at the age of 30, he was told that he was totally healed of the cancer. From eight to 30. Think about how many years. He was totally healed by the age of 30. He ended up getting married. He ended up establishing a family. But he decided once he got healed from the cancer, he was going to go and he's going to make a sudat hodaya. He's going to go and he's going to make a meal of gratitude to thank God for healing him. And one of the people that were invited was the pediatric oncologist. And the guy, the, the man who got healed, 30 years old, Shlomo, he goes up and he says, he points to the pediatric oncologist and he says, this oncologist, this doctor, he played a major role in my recovery. He goes and he says that back when I was recovering, he says my health was deteriorating, I wasn't doing well. I overheard the doctor, this doctor, tell a nurse, he says, you see that boy, that young boy, he's a strong boy. That boy, he is going to live. That boy, even though he's going through so much, he is so strong, he is going to survive. And Shlomo goes on and says, you know, when things were getting difficult, I remember those doctor's words. Those doctor's words willed myself to survive. And he says, for that, I want to thank this doctor. And everybody applauded, and he he gets down. The doctor gets up. Why? I don't know. But the doctor gets up, and he says the following. And he says, I have to share this with you. I have to be honest. And he says, the story is not exactly as Shlomo just related. And he goes, and the doctor goes and says, you know, when Shlomo was in the ward, and he was going through treatment, to be honest, I didn't think Shlomo was going to survive. His prognosis did not look good. He says, but when Shlomo was leaving the office, there was another boy with a similar illness that just at the same time was entering the office. And I looked at the nurse and I pointed at the other boy. And I said, that boy is a strong boy. That boy is going to survive. I wasn't even talking about Shlomo. I wasn't even talking about him. But in Shlomo's mind, he heard the doctor said, you are going to survive. In the doctor's mind, you are strong. You have the power to do anything. And with that, that gave him the will, the strive, the power to go and to survive. People make fun of, you know, parents going and tell their children, you could be whatever it is that you can. Don't make fun. Every parent should tell that child to the child. Because a child, if a child hears that they could do anything, then in their mind, they're brilliant. In their mind, they're a genius. In their mind, they have the ability to do everything. Always give that positive reinforcement. Because that positive reinforcement, it tells that to the child. Tells that to the person that you're telling that you have the power. And when you think that you have the power, you create angels that give you the power. And when you have those angels that give you the power, as the Gemara says, you, have that, you create that desire. And once you create that desire... Then that's the direction that they're going to give you. That's the direction that they're going to uh, go and, and, and strive you for success. We tend to think that our thoughts 
don't have much power. We tend to think that our thoughts don't have much, you know, say, it's whatever it is. We don't realize on how much our thoughts affect us. Besides for the fact that in the physical realm, in the scientific realm, that is, in the psychological realm, our thoughts are very easily, you know, affecting us. Somebody had, you know, a bad daydream, they're all of a sudden, they're in a bad mood. You had a positive daydream, you're in a good mood. It affects us to such an extent from the physical standpoint. But when we take it to the next level, that we realize on how much it affects us in the spiritual standpoint. And this is the chidush for today's class. Is that every thought that you have, every hihu that you have, that creates angels. Meaning that when you're thinking about something, you're creating angels that are going to drive you either to the positive or to the negative. So the next time that you have a negative thought, stop for a second. Stop and try to transition that thought into a positive aspect. And how do you do that? We spoke about one way. Think about how Hashem was in your life, your whole life, how much good you have, how much that Hashem went and just helped you in every aspect. Yes, you're going through a difficult time. Yes, you're going through difficulties, no matter what it is, but look at the beauty, look at the world, look at how much God helped you. If you have that power, that thought process, you're transitioning from the negative to the positive. And once you transition to the positive, all of a sudden you're creating angels. And if you're creating angels, that's going to strive you to go to, to, you know, to the benefit. Don't strive for mediocrity. Strive for the top. Don't think, okay, you know what, I'm falling in my spiritual realm. At one point that was high, but now I'm at lower. No, 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 no. You stop. Stop that thought process. Reach for the clouds. Reach for the sky. Yes, maybe you're not in the realm that you are originally. Maybe over the years you fell down a little bit. Maybe you went down, but don't think this is where you are. Think, I could reach back up again. Think, put your thoughts in the clouds. Because when you do that, you give yourself that power. And when you give yourself that power, you have that desire. And once you have that desire, all of a sudden there's going to be extra forces behind you that are going to push you towards that realm. So no matter where you're holding in your life, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in panasa, whether it's in health, do me a favor. Start working on positive thoughts. Start working on the good in your life. And with that, if I could say this, and I could, so I will, I promise you, you will see changes in your life. And with that, we will open to questions. Um, okay, there is a question that came up over here. That what happens if and if anybody wants a um, uh, you know to to put a question, you could put it in in the chat box. You can send it to me privately. You can send it out to everybody. It doesn't matter. I won't mention your name. I will uh, go through the questions. So we have here a question. What if the husband is abusive? No matter how much he tries, it's never good enough. So that is a very, very important important point. So let's say somebody's in a relationship and they want to strive to be the best spouse, the best wife, the best husband, whatever it is, but they're in an abusive relationship. So in certain situations, and it doesn't, it's not only in husbands, it also could be parents, it could also be brothers, sisters. If you're in an abusive relationship, this is the point in time that you have to step back and you have to go and speak to somebody. Because sometimes it's not good for you to be in that. People think, you know what, my father or mother are very abusive, but I have to be here. No, not always that. Sometimes the right answer is to leave. Sometimes the right answer is not to be in that situation. I'm not saying that's automatic. But the word abusive is a trigger. <laughs> that's a red flag that sticks out. So if something happens like that, 
what we're dealing with over here, you have to, yes, you have to accept everything, and yes, you have to, everything has to be with happiness, and yes, you should try for the best, but in that situation, that is a trigger word for me, and that is something that you have to go and speak to somebody. Because sometimes you have to go and you have to seek help. Sometimes that help means running away. Sometimes that help means dealing with it. Sometimes the help means it's your fault. So it all depends on what is the, what is the issue. That is something that has to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, another important, uh, you know, factor is when you think about these, this concept, you have a lot of, you know, uh, there's a reason why when I ended this off, I, I brought in the concept of where you were holding at one point and you're not holding there anymore and you fell and you think this is where the realm of where you're standing is. Uh, and the reason for that is, is that in our life, we're, everything's always fluctuating. Our emotions, our thoughts, uh, to the point that there is no prayer, there is no tefillah that is ever the same. Every single prayer in your life is different. Why? Because there's so many different emotions that are going on. And while we may be doing better, let's say spiritually in one area, we may have fallen in another area. And the, our thought process, the way that it works is, is that we only think I'm not talking about daydreams. I'm thinking about realistic thoughts, desires. We only desire things that we think that is probable. So let's say you had somebody that was religious. And that person that was religious, let's say, fell off the wagon a little bit. I'm not saying, well, just, you know what? Let's not even call it someone that's religious. Anybody. You fell in one realm, in one area. Maybe it's sneers, maybe it's, I don't know, prayer. Maybe it's something. We automatically associate us and we, we sort of judge ourselves and we say, this is who we are. This is where we're holding. We're no longer where we were before. This is who I am. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to that they say, this is me. And, and this comes a lot in relationships. In relationships, let's say more happens from a woman's perspective than a man. They come and they say like, this is me. He should accept me for who I am. And the answer is, yes, you're right. He should accept you for where you are today. But the bigger question is, do you accept yourself of where you are? Why do you settle for, you know, mediocrity or inferiority? Why do you settle for below par? Why do you say, this is where I am? Don't say, this is where I am. You could say, this is where I am right now, but I strive for greatness. I strive for more. If you go and you focus on all where you are holding right now, then that's where you're going to stay. Even if you are on a high level, but you think this is where I'm holding right now. I can't, I can't go, whatever it is. I can't, I can't, I can't. The biggest words, I can't. You know what? If you say I can't, you won't. And you won't, it will never happen. We have to go and we have to take ourselves out of that realm of where we, we judge ourselves. We judge ourselves to such a low level. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not a great person. Be like, you know what? I gotta go and get a blessing from a great person. And yes, you should go. But why don't you stop a second and think? Be like, you're a great person. Did you pray for yourself? You know how much power you have. You know how much, how much, how much strength that you have in your prayers. If we think of ourselves as greatness, then we could achieve greatness. But if we think of ourselves as nothing, nobody went off the path, off the derech, not interested in Judaism, whatever it is, in, in whatever standard we are, then guess what? You just signed your death certificate. You just signed where your destin, de- destiny is. You know, if somebody goes and says, you know what, I want to marry a certain person. Why? Because I'm not on the level. So sometimes it's correct, 
But sometimes, why are you selling yourself short? I know, I don't know if I should say this, but I will say this. I had a student. Um, it was a girl. And the boy was also a student. And they wanted to go on. They wanted, they, um, they wanted to go out. I was against it. I said, no, I don't think it's a good idea. But I didn't know that they were already going out beforehand. And the reason why is the girl was in a much higher level. And even still then, I said, I don't think it's a good idea. And I gave them the reason. And they said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not true. It's going to be okay. Anyways, the girl was on a higher level. The boy was on a lower level. They ended up going out. They ended up getting married. They ended up, forget up even before they got married. As they were dating, I, I like even saw it. I wish that it wasn't right. But I saw this girl that didn't go out. Straight down. I'm like, I can't, how quick it went. She realized, she's like, I, I said, you're, I told the girl, you're such on a higher level than him. She got upset at me. She's like, what are you talking about? You don't know me. She says, you don't know that I'm a higher level. I, am. I said, listen, you're going to get upset at me from today to tomorrow. You're on a higher level. Why are you going and you're falling down short? Unfortunately, they, you know, she continued and, you know, she fell down. The whole snoot went out the window. The whole, you know, going to Shuim went out the window. Prayer, everything went out the window. But, so even though it went against what I thought, look at how awesome HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, I still followed through with it. It's been years, by the way, years. And now slowly, Bo Hashem, they're both starting to grow together. They're both starting to grow together. But, my, my thought process, I still don't change it. Why do you sell yourself for short? People think, you know what, I'm about tshuva, I'm a, uh, you know, I just converted this, I'm on a low, no, 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 why are you, why are you selling yourself on a low level? You're on the highest level possible. I'm not saying you should be picky on the craziest things. That's the last thing I'm saying. The last thing I'm saying, but don't sell yourself short for who you are. You are amazing and you have the ability to achieve greatness. And if you say for one moment that you can't because of your past, because of your family, because of your panasa, because of who you are, because of the way that you look, then you're selling yourself short and that's the way that you're going to go. You signed your own mediocre life. Don't sign yourself for mediocrity. Achieve and go for greatness. Okay, let's go to the next question. Um, so, okay, you asked me if I could hear you. No, I can't hear you. I, I apologize if somebody's talking. I can't hear you. This is what I thought about. I knew I had some sort of issue with my with my computer, with the, with the speaker. So I apologize. I can't hear you. So if anybody has a question, please, please type it up. Because for some reason I can't hear the, um, you know, the, you know, the, anything that comes out of the computer. Okay, let's go on to the next question. Baruch Hashem, I'm happy that, you know, by the way, this is very, very true. Somebody who deals with anxiety, this is huge for them. It's not the class, it's the thought process. is huge for them. Okay, um, and we got a blessing. May we merit to see Mashiach real soon in our days. Amen. Okay, um, Okay, next question. He told me to thank Hashem for my pain, knowing He sent it for a reason. Now He's saying talk positive, like Hashem is your healing your pain. Okay, so here's the question. I believe this is the question. The question is like this. The question is, is He supposed to thank Hashem for the bad? Because God sent it to you. But now we're saying that you have to think positive. Because you're supposed to be like, you know, in the positive sense. So I don't understand the question, but I understand the confusion. The confusion is is that at one point we have to have this acceptance. That everything that Hashem does, that sends us, we have to accept. But that is true. And we should accept our situation in our life. But the difference is, is that our situation is what God 
sends our way, the tests, the nisaniyot, the, 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 the tests in our life that we accept. But our future, our growth, there's nothing about accepting, there's not, no acceptance in that. Don't just deal in your life on the cards that you are dealt with. God deals with you cards, you accept those cards, but there's no reason why you say, okay, now hand me some more cards. I'm ready to go on more. You accept something, that doesn't mean that you, have to, that you shouldn't strive for greatness. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't strive for more. I don't know if I answered your question, or maybe I don't understand the question, but if so, please um, ask the question again. Okay, it uh, looks like the last question. No, more questions are coming in. Okay, I always go for unavailable emotional men, and I have so much anxiety that I will never find love. Should I just let go and wait for him to come, or should I go and find him? Just having to look for him gives me anxiety. So this is actually a very very, very common uh, thing. And in fact, it's I have so much to say on this that I could probably give a whole class just on this. Uh, you know, there, that question is so loaded. But let me, let me try to give a little bit of a, um, just a, I guess a, a little bit of an answer on this. So, number one, if somebody's always getting, you know, dates that are, not in the realm of anything related to what they're looking for, they have to step back and start asking a bunch of questions. And one of the questions is, why is that happening? Why am I getting set up with people that are just not in what I'm doing? Sometimes it's the shatchanim are not knowing what's going on. Sometimes you're unclear with it. So I strongly recommend either a dating coach or rabbi speak to somebody to get a little bit of clarity you know, on, uh, you know, on what it is that you're looking for, what is important, what is not. Uh, I, I can't tell you a lot of what I deal with on a day-to-day basis now is in the dating world and the coaching that goes on in the dating world. There's just some things that, you know, when somebody's in their own mindset, they can't think about it. Even though it's simple and easy things, they need somebody from the outside the perspective to tell them, no, you're focusing on this, you, you should be focusing on something else, try to, to try to move along. So I can't tell you how important it is to call, to ask, to speak to your rabbis, your mentors, your, you know, rabbitsons, your dating coaches, whatever it is, it gives you so much clarity and realizing what's, what's going on over here. Um, that's number one. Number two, never, ever, ever give up on finding love, finding your, you know, your bashat. Never, ever, ever give up on that. Never. Always, if, if it's being difficult, there is a reason for it. You have to think about what I need to do, what I can do from the spiritual aspect. Do I need to pray more? Do I need to take upon myself other things? What do I need to do from the physical aspect? Do I need to look at different places? Do I need to go and, and focus on different things? Maybe my definition of love is, is warped. Maybe I need to go and focus on things. But never, ever, ever, ever uh, give up. And also, finally, you shouldn't just let go and say, let him you know, come, to, come to me. You have to do your hishtadlut. Granted, Ishtalut is different on, you know, where you're dealing with, but you should do your Ishtalut. You should speak to Shatchanim. You should make sure that Shatchanim know what you're looking for. It's so important. So many people get sad, but people are just like way off. And that is because the Shatchanim are getting, you know, things of what the parents want or what the, you know, like it's unclear and things just come. It just, things that are just, it's, as they say in Hebrew, Lola and Yan. It's, it's not, it, you know, no shaykhas, so to speak. So you have to make sure that you know what you're looking for, you know what you're going for. And it seems like, I know this is a private message and nobody can see who I'm talking to, but the person who asked this question, feel free to call me, we could discuss, we could try to go and figure out on how to, um, uh, you know, how to properly work on this thing. 
last thing that you should do is give up. Never, ever give up. There is a bashart, there is a vuk for every single person. Okay, next question. How do we attain greatness? How do we, sorry, how do we attribute greatness to ourselves? If we know that everything at the end, our works, our strength, our growth, spiritual levels, all from Hashem and His abundant chesed. Excellent question. So, there's a difference of striving for greatness versus saying the greatness came from me. Yes, we should strive for greatness. We should go and we should try to get the greatest thing that we can. But once we, once we get that, once we get that greatness, don't think for a second that it was your doing. Everything really is from Hashem. What we're doing is we're giving Hashem that desire, that want, that need. Hashem sends the angels to go and, and, and guide us to that. And when we achieve success, whether it's in Panasa, whether it's in, a, in marriage, whether it's in health, whatever it is, it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't think for a second it was you. It's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but we have the free will and we need to have the desire. And that's why we should have that desire to do that greatness. We have the desire to achieve it. Once we achieve that greatness, you have to realize that it's, it has nothing to do with you. It's all Mina Shamayim. It's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, next question. By the way, if I answer your question and it wasn't to your liking... Ask it again. We'll go back. Okay, next question. Here's a great question. It's a question for a different subject. If we are supposed to accept that everything is good, why do we daven to take it away? That's a great question. In fact, I am currently working on a series on prayer, and that is possibly a whole series in itself. That when we're praying for something, we're praying for something that obviously God sent us. So if God sent us, that means it was for our best. If it's for our best, then why are we praying for it? So there's a lot of answers to give this, and we gave a few answers before, and I'll give you, um, you know, just a, just a basic answer for it. If something bad is happening to you, yes, you should accept it, but there's a same time sort of a bipolar <laughs> thought process that you should have, is you should accept it, but at the same point in time, pray to God to remove that bad thing. And these are two sort of opposing thoughts that we have to juggle. We have to accept it, but at the same point in time, we pray and we cry and we beseech HaKadosh Baruch Hu to go and change that for us. They don't contradict each other. Yes, we go and we accept it, and yes, we have to pray. So how do we resolve those things? I'll tell you one, one way to resolve, one, way, one thought process. When something bad happens, when we have something bad that happened to us, this was decreed by God, and we accept it. When we're praying... We're changing who we are as a person. A powerful prayer changes who you are as a person. Meaning, so when you started praying, you're Moshe. Moshe was decreed that X, Y, Z bad will happen. Then you started praying. You started praying. You, you brought yourself to a different level. Now you're no longer Moshe. Now you're somebody else. You gave, you have more merit. You have more zchuyot. Now you have more zchuyot. You no longer require the bad, the bad, situation that came upon you. So always, even though you're supposed to accept it, you still at the same point in time, you're supposed to pray. Okay. Um, next question. What can we do to put more feeling into tefillah? If I'm in an emotional mood, then I could connect to Hashem so much better. But how do I get this connection when I don't have the emotional feelings? So I'll tell you a very simple, and it's an amazing thing. You go to a farm store, a religious Judaica store, and you look in the section of prayer. And in there, there are a few books that have like a daily snippet on prayer. And before every single prayer, you read one little snippet. One little page. It takes you two minutes. Your prayer is going to be different. You, that's guaranteed is going to change. You go and you learn a little bit before you pray. 
you'll see the change of emotional uh, feelings. Now, Ms. Al-Hashem will speak about this more when we speak about prayer. Okay, um, my next question. It might be strange to ask, but why isn't the idea of ambition taught in religious studies? Uh, that's a good question. Why isn't desire taught? I mean, this is religious studies, so <laughs> we are learning about it. Um, but why, I, I'm assuming your question is, why isn't it taught in schools? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, listen, if I would be teaching a school, I would have a lot, I would have a whole realm of curriculum that is, I can't see very different, but in addition to what's going on in the schools right now, I have, you know, but it's all my, my own, uh, you know, thought process. Um, it's a good question. I don't know. I can't speak for other schools. I can't speak for their, uh, curriculum, but this is a Gemara. The Gemara says, but you know, this is the way, this is the Gemara in Makot. So it is taught in religious studies, but maybe it's not focused on it. Next question. Is it like how Hashem allows us to, to use a doctor despite Hashem giving us the sickness? Yes, in a certain sense. Hashem gives us a certain, a certain uh, test in our life, but when Hashem gives us a test, our, the refua, the healingness, it comes even before the makah. Okay, and yes, thank you Liara, you brought the, the, you know, one of the good uh, examples of the books that um, is that you could do before prayer is called Praying with Fire. Praying with Fire is, a, is an excellent uh, resource you could use before, one of the many resources that you could use before you um, you start praying to go and to learn a little bit about the prayer and put yourself in the mindset. And by the way, if you don't have a book, if you don't have anything, 30 seconds, stop and think who you're standing in front of. You're standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Melech Malchei HaMlachim, one who is able and capable of anything, the limitless possibilities. Think about that. Think about your love and your desire to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Already your, your prayer is going to be a little bit different. Okay. That seems to be the final question. Thank you all for joining. Welcome all back for our um, break for the holidays. And something came, came in over here. Okay, one last final question over here. I feel there's a fine line between losing self-esteem and knowing everything is from Hashem. Can you elaborate, please? Okay, so the question is like this. Where is the line between self-esteem and knowing that everything is from Hashem? So first of all, I, I would strongly recommend, regarding the self-esteem is huge, huge. Like, I, I see it when I speak to so many people. M- one of the main things that I see is the lack of self-esteem. So, Baruch Hashem, we gave a few years back a, a three-series class on self-esteem. I strongly recommend people to, uh, you know, I don't like pitching, you know, my own classes. It doesn't have to be my classes. Just anything. Learn about self-esteem because there's so much that you can learn about, you know, self-esteem that's so imperative. Everybody could grow in self-esteem. So I strongly recommend, you know, everybody can grow in self-esteem. So learn about it from the religious standpoint and how it, uh, you know, how it relates to anger, how it relates. There's so many, you know, arrogance and pride. There's so many different things to go and to, um, you know, uh, uh, into your capabilities. But the person should never, ever, ever lose self-esteem. Self-esteem should always be on the high. Humility and self-esteem do not contradict each other. You should always have a high self-esteem and you should always be humble at the same time. And that's how, you could, when you're always humble, you always know that everything's from Hashem. So you can have a very, very high self-esteem, but at the same point in time, knowing that it's not in your realm. It's all in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, uh, realm. Okay. So... <laughs> Thank you for that message regarding going to teach in your school. It's, it's something that, 
you know, there are, a lot of teachers are amazing and the school curriculum is amazing. If we open our mind, if we open our ears, we could see that really the, the, this teaching is not a chidush, what I'm telling you guys. It's taught in school. Maybe it's not emphasized as, as much as I emphasize it, but it's really, really taught. Uh, but listen, even though it's not being taught in your schools, Baruch Hashem, you're listening to it over here. What can I tell you? So that's, that in itself is worth, you know, is worth, uh, is worth something. But yes, this, this topic is huge. This, this, this is, the imperatives of this is, you know, day to day. So much so that, you know, there's certain things that you should remind yourself every day. One of the things you should set in your phone as a reminder, think positive. Every single day, have that alarm come in your head. Have positive thoughts. Because you don't realize on how much power that has. All right. Thank you all. Now for a real final goodbye. Thank you all for joining. Nakadash Baruch Hu bless each and every single one of you with tremendous amount of success. Bracha, Hatzlacha, Siyat Adishmaya, Shalom Bayit, everything, just all good for all of us and to all of uh, Klal Yisrael. The one final question was, will uh, will you for more Zoom? I'm assuming you're, we're going to do more Zoom. B'zal Hashem, we're going to be doing the classes future on Zoom. Whoever is not on Zoom, especially for the women's uh, only class, there is a WhatsApp chat only for women uh, that if you want, you could email me at rabbizitron.toranytime.com and we could uh, set you up to add you to the WhatsApp only, which gives you all the details of the classes that we have uh, on a, you know, the week-to-week basis and you could, for the women only, and you could, uh, by all means, join the more, the merrier. Chazakabah, have amazing, successful year life, just everything, on everybody. <laughs> all right. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.